You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke and Cameron Parker of Predominantly Orange, your daily Broncos podcast. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Locked On Broncos podcast. I am your co-host, Cameron Parker. Cody Rourke will be back on Monday. We have a lot to talk about today, obviously. Uh, Adam Rank was in the news as far as the NFL Network is concerned, and he talked a little bit about the Broncos season, predicting the, the Broncos season, and talked a little bit about where the Broncos certainly, uh, the current state of the team, and and everything else, and we're going to talk about that. Andy Janovich, and is he indispensable to the team? Also, we're going to talk about Cortland Sutton. We're going to talk about the expectations of Cortland Sutton. Where are they in the grand scheme of things of this particular regular season? And where exactly will he be headed? Is he in line for a pretty big year? We're going to talk about that. Let's get into it. Uh, thank you again uh, it is, for tuning into the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Please be sure to follow the Lockdown Broncos podcast at Lockdown Broncos on Twitter. Subscribe to the Lockdown Broncos podcast on iTunes. You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And uh, for me, myself, you can follow me at Twitter at Cameron Parker PO, Cody Work at Cody Work NFL, and you can go to his website at CodyWorkNFL.com. Thank you guys again for making the Lockdown Broncos your daily bite-sized podcast for all your orange and blue related content. Well, as we know, Adam Rank was in the news and he talked a little bit about the Denver Broncos, talked about the regular season. And one of the things that I have, I've had a hard time understanding is when it comes to emotion and when it comes to logic, Sometimes those two don't go hand in hand when making an opinion. And it seems to me that when Adam Rank ran, ran through all of the, 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 this particular discussion piece and everything as far as in, in predicting the Denver Broncos schedule, everything he went through to me was illogical. Because he talked about a 60-year-old quarterback. Sorry, he talked about a 60-year-old head coach. He talked about an a immobile quarterback. Well, the one of the things that he did not, he I don't think he understands, is that 60-year-old head coach has about 30 to 40 years of coaching experience. Yes, this is his first rodeo. Yes, this is his first time becoming an NFL head coach. But as I just said, he has 30 to 40 plus years of coaching experience. And we all know that being a first year head coach, you're, you're, you're thrown different things. You're, you're, you're thrown different things that maybe you may not experience as a defensive coordinator, linebacker, linebacker coach or secondary coach or, or tight ends coach or whatever. But when, you have endless, endless amounts of years of experience that is indispensable when now it's your first time entering the job. 
it's one thing to have guys like Sean McVay or say uh, Zach Taylor, who's a McVay prodigy of the, of his tree guys like that, that can come around every so often and rattle off plays. Like it's a video game. Like it's nothing, but it's still indispensable for a guy that is, has so many years of experience in the national football league and to the point where they have quite the staff that now has been put together. And as we have said numerous times on the show, and from my vantage point, that the Denver Broncos will win games they probably should lose. It happened last year. Go back and la- and, and, and go, go back and look at the games of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Los Angeles Chargers. They won both of those games. They should have lost both of those games on paper. They, lost, they, they won those games, which is one of the reasons, and I can remember vividly, we, we were going to be doing a, a show with, uh, with Sayer, and it, 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 it fell through with, with Cody, Sayer, and I. But the three of us were talking, and, and we were talking about how the Broncos on paper were better than their record indicated. It's been that case the last handful of seasons. Here we are again. Their record, which could be maybe a, a say under 500 again, but their roster is better than that 500 indicates, and that's just because they they will have a better quarterback, a a more incompetent sorry a, a less incompetent quarterback, you know a guy that's more competent, you know that, that's not a Case Keenum and and people that they've had in the past. They also have an offensive line coach for all intents and purposes was a, a NFL head coach at one point in time who decided to go down and decide to let's come to Denver and be close to family, but not only that, be part of the same position that I was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we saw a revival of that offensive line when Mike Munchak was there with the Pittsburgh Steelers. In fact, if you look at it, I believe he had over 20 sacks allowed with the Pittsburgh Steelers last season. And we all know the history of Ben Roethlisberger and being one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the National Football League. And again, there was one, there was a reason why Roethlisberger did not want Munchak to leave. There was a reason why Mike Munchak did not, uh, uh, Mike Munchak and Roethlisberger. There was that connection and why Roethlisberger did not want him to leave. So I, I don't understand it from the standpoint of where rank where rank is coming from other than there's that huge strength of schedule, which the Broncos have the second strongest schedule in the National Football League. For that, I can understand it. And yes, from the quarterback point of view, I, I understand it from the standpoint that Yes, Flacco is coming down in age and, and and coming down in play, I should say. So, yes, his play may be deteriorating, but at the same time, he is nowhere near where Case Keenum was. He's nowhere near Trevor Simeon. He's nowhere near a Paxton Lynch. He's nowhere near a Brock Osweiler at that point in their respective careers. He will be better. The actual coaching staff, as we reiterate. Uh, reiterated is going to be better. So where exactly is this coming from? Where exactly is this is it coming from? Because 
all I can see on the surface and all I can see by breaking all of it down is he just doesn't get it. And that, that to and so that's a little harsh to say, but it just seems that way on the surface is that it just doesn't get it. Because if you go back and you look at all the Twitter feed, Andrew Mason even pointed out that it was a much different prediction when they were on or when rank was on orange and blue 760. So what changed? What changed for him to go from what once was that particular prediction to 2 and 14? What changed? I mean, did he sleep on the bed wrong? Did he you know, maybe wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Who knows, but for him to go 2 and 14 and rattle off certain types of excuses on why the the Broncos are only going to get two wins and not even a divisional game when last season they were toe-to-toe with the Kansas City Chiefs who went to the AFC Championship game and probably should have won that game at home against the Kansas City Chiefs if they just continued to run the football. I don't know. It's just it's... It just, to me, screams bias. And for him to even rattle off something like that on NFL Network, which is a place I do respect. I respect NFL Network a lot. I, it just seemed to be illogical. Coming up next on the Lockdown Broncos podcast, your daily bite-sized Broncos podcast, we're going to talk about Andy Janovich and why he is one of the most indispensable Broncos on the roster don't go anywhere. We have Annie Janovich coming up next. Ever since he came into the league, Annie Janovich has proven to be a valuable member of the, of the Broncos roster. And I don't understand for the life of me why a lot of people continue to just dismiss Janovich and... Look, I understand that a fullback position is a dying breed in the NFL. However, when you have a player that has proven to be valuable in the passing game, in the blocking game, and even in the running game, that is a guy you cannot lose. That that is a guy that you have to keep on your roster Welcome back to the the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Andy Janovich has proven to be a indispensable member of the Broncos roster ever since he really came into the league. And when he came into the league in 2016 and really showed the world that he could be a versatile weapon, a guy that can run between the tackles and really suck on a lot of linebackers, really good linebackers and and really take them out of the out of the equation. That's very valuable. It, it proves that he's an extra blocker and he can be an extra tight end when need be. That's just it that to me is one of the most valuable pieces that Janovich can bring to the table. And again, I understand it. The fullback is a dying breed in the National Football League, but there are a few teams in the NFL that really do use a fullback. Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco 49ers, and the Denver Broncos certainly are one of them. And we brought on one of the 
brightest minds from the San Francisco 49ers who use a fullback. So he, he will more than likely be using a versatile Andy Janovich in the passing game, in the running game, as well as maybe using him as an extra blocker a few times. You see, back when he was with the University of Nebraska, he proved his versatility as a running back and as a halfback. When when there were struggling with quarterback play and they needed to rely on a running game, Janovich basically consumed that role because there were injuries to numerous guys in their backfield. So they had to rely on Janovich and he provided quite a lot of production in his time with the Cornhuskers. It resulted in him being drafted and really showing that he could be that versatile fullback and maybe being a different type of fullback that maybe we had not seen before. It's also one of the reasons why Janovich could be valuable to the point where he is a Howard Griffith on this football team. And Howard Griffith, as we know, was one of the more valuable Broncos on that Super Bowl roster when they won Super Bowl 32 and as well as Super Bowl 33. He was a key cog. I mean, we all remember his one-handed catch. But Janovich can be that guy. He can be the the, the versatile versatile weapon, a, a guy that completely gets lost, that, oh, man, where, where is this Janovich guy? And all of a sudden he's wide open for maybe a, a much longer completion because he was wide open because the defenders forgot about him. Ultimately, he is that type of player that really is indispensable that he can get those short yardage. He can take out a linebacker, take out uh, a pass rusher, or or even a, a closing safety on a blitz or a closing corner on a blitz as well to create numerous opportunities for Philip Lindsay, Devontae Booker, and Royce Freeman. You know, if you if we think back to the years of when Peyton Manning had Jacob Hester back with that particular offense, we all know how prolific that particular offense was. One of the things that they had really struggled with, as far as maybe the one thing that they had really struggled with, in particular in the Baltimore Ravens game, was they could not complete a short yardage down to save their lives which ended up being kind of their bugaboo really about their entire season. Janovich can be that type of short yardage running back, and he had proven to be that type of player really on on the very first play when when he was against the Carolina Panthers. He scored the very first touchdown of the NFL season. Almost came as a surprise, and... and that's exactly what it was. It was It was a surprise. They had actually been working that particular play, I believe it was during the week, and, and they decided, let's do it. Let's surprise the Panthers, and they did it. They ran, I, from what I can see on that particular tape, it seemed like they ran a, a play that Janovich was familiar with with the University of Nebraska, which was a typical fullback trap. They ran it. They ran it to perfection, and Janovich went in for the, the touchdown completely untouched. Also, too, let's th- let's even rewind a little bit further 
to Peyton Hillis and, and talking about his versatility. He was a halfback and, and fullback. So this is not the first rodeo where the Broncos are, are encountering a guy that is versatile like Janovich. But the, the thing that you have to love about Janovich is he is consuming this role to be that particular fullback, to be that particular special teams ace, to be that guy that can really eliminate a threat on a defense and, and be that extra blocker. Be it as it may, those types of guys, again, are very indispensable on a roster. And I don't understand why it's so difficult for people to understand that. I understand particular teams and just in the grand scheme of overall rosters and, and how teams are constructed and, and, and everything else that there's just no fullback on a particular roster. I mean, we, we all think as far as back when Joe Don Duncan was was on the Denver Broncos roster for, for a training camp, and he certainly proved his worth, but back in the Joe, back in that particular John Fox years, I mean, they were using tight ends for the most part as their as their as their fullback. That's not to say we're going to get some of those looks with with Rick Scangarello, because we probably will. But Andy Janovich can be ultimately a guy that can be an extra tight end, be an extra blocker. Those types of guys, you just really can't forget about when building up an offense, and. Hopefully, Broncos country sees the same way, and hopefully, Andy Janovich really proves his worth. Because if we all remember, if we all remember, this is more like the cherry on top as far as understanding why Janovich is so valuable. Back in the 2016 season, after that 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 Carolina Panthers game, he had hurt his hand. He he had actually hurt his hand, and. C.J. Anderson and Devontae Booker really were not the same back after Andy Janovich went down. And he, and again, he was just not utilized in the short yardage the way it should be. Talking about Janovich, there was single back formation. I mean, Janovich was not on the football field, whether they would hand it off to him or, uh, or not. I mean, they, they just would not have him on the field. Even fast forward to 2017, and sometimes even 2018 as well, they would do it a little bit more. But 2017 and 2018, they just the the mismanagement of Janovich has been one of the more head scratching opportunities that I've seen on TV or just in film that I've quite frankly been very frustrated with. But hopefully that does not happen with Rex Gantarello going into the 2019 season. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Cortland Sutton. What are the expectations for Cortland Sutton heading into the 2019 season? Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with some Sutton hot take, should we say. Will there be a 1,000-yard season for Sutton in 2019? Don't go anywhere. Drafted drafted out of SMU, Cortland Sutton had really put himself on the scene and being a mismatch, a guy that can win the 50-50 balls. And 
We certainly had seen that in 2018, a guy that can win at the top of a route and, and beat a defensive back when there's contested catches all throughout a, a game. And every single time you saw Case Keenum chuck a ball in the air, 30, 40 yards down the field, Sutton more than likely would come down with the football. However, there are numerous areas that Corton Sutton really does need to, to, to focus on. He does need to catch the football a little bit better, but his route running needs to be a little bit more crisp. He also needs to work on his short and intermediate routes as well. And this is why a lot of people saw Demarius Thomas a little bit in Corton Sutton, a guy that does struggle with route running a guy that does struggle a little bit with some drops. And we all know that Thomas at times did struggle with drops throughout his career. But the talent level, and this is another reason why he was compared to Demarish Thomas, the talent level of Cortland Sutton is off the charts. If everything comes together, there is a reason why a lot of scouts felt that Sutton was the number one wide receiver in that class and probably should have been a first-round draft pick that year. Dallas was in love with Sutton in that particular draft. And Denver pulled probably another Paxton Lynch scenario and stole Cortland Sutton away from the Dallas Cowboys. Only in this case, I think it's going to work out strongly in the favor that the Broncos took a weapon in Sutton versus their quarterback of the future that they had taken in, in Paxton Lynch, that particular draft class. One of the things that I, I absolutely love about Sutton that completely goes unnoticed is he is a barn burner. He, he runs about a 4-4, 4-3, 4-4. He runs incredibly fast for a guy that size. If he can work on the particular route running that he needs to, which is those short and intermediate routes, he will be a dynamic weapon to where you have no idea where he, he could work the field because he could, if he expands all of that, that tree, he could work the middle of the field. He could work down the field, as we all know, or he can work underneath. As far as, say, a, a shallow cross route or even a slant route, he can be that guy that if Flacco needs a, a, a first down or, or say, a, a guy to potentially make it a big play, there is that, that six foot three guy that he can rely on that is built almost like a tank, almost like a tight end. It's almost like having two tight ends now on the roster with guys like Sutton and Noah Fant. Which, by the way, I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that Sutton and Noah Fant are maybe the two most explosive weapons on that football team as far as playmakers. Deshaun Hamilton more than likely will get the majority of the targets, in my opinion. Maybe even Noah Fant as well. But Sutton and Fant are just dynamic playmakers that will get the ball a majority of the time in the red zone. And that is one area where I am most looking forward to with Sutton this year and, and with Flacco because it, 
you have to appreciate that Flacco is going to put a, 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 a target in the best position to succeed. We thought that was the case with Case Keenum, but he just continued to baby throws and, and, and make it so that a defender can make a play on a football. We, we, we saw that too many times in the 2019 season. And, and going on into this particular season, Sutton will just need to show a little bit more strength to win those 50-50 balls come in the red zone. But that's not something that I'm too worried about. But I do look forward to them utilizing him more in the red zone and being that 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 weapon that they need in case Noah Fant can't uh, can't really come through on a particular play or, or a particular situation. They have another guy they can turn to. I I think the 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 best part about Sutton is if it all comes together and I if it really does all come together. You will be looking at a guy that is just, to put it bluntly, he's going to end up being a top 10 wide receiver in the, in the NFL if it all comes together. The talent level is there. When Damaris Thomas was traded, there was a reason why the Broncos had traded Thomas. And I'm one of the biggest Damaris Thomas fans on the planet. But there was a reason why they traded Thomas, and it was because of Cortland Sutton. When when he when Sutton finished the season with almost 700 yards, I believe it was close to 800 yards receiving. And say that the amount of time that he had played in the regular season, that's amazing, with the type of quarterback play that he had that year, in 2018. So I absolutely do not think it's far-fetched if if Sutton, ready for hot take season before training camp, it is not far-fetched to think that Sutton will get a 1,000 yards in 2019. In fact, Sutton will get a 1,000-plus yards in 2019. I said that Sutton would have more touchdowns than Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. I said that Philip Lindsay would have 1,300 all-purpose yards. I'm on record with saying that. And sure enough, Philip Lindsay came awfully close to breaking that. I, in fact, I think he did break that. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I think that Sutton did pass Demarius Thomas in touchdowns. And I think he did pass Emmanuel Sanders in touchdowns. But the one thing that he needs to show and that he needs to prove is that when the chips are down and when they are against the wall is he can be a reliable weapon and perform at the highest level when the offense really needs him. Because when Emmanuel Sanders did go down, when Emmanuel Sanders did go down, that offense was inept. It just was struggling. Now, a lot of that was running game and and then really figuring out that they were a one-trick pony, and uh, they were one-dimensional, and they just, uh, unfortunately, just could not capitalize on that too often. And somewhat, yes, it had to do with quarterback play as well, or a majority of that had to do with quarterback as well. But I'm here to tell you that the expectation for Corton Sutton, for people that think that he's going to have a 1,000-yard season, is not crazy. It's not crazy. 
or just that he's going to have a monster season. It's not crazy. It is not crazy. Thank you very much for listening to another edition of the Lockdown Broncos podcast. We will be back on 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 June 21st for a Friday episode of the show. So thank you guys very much for listening to Thursday, June 20th edition of the broadcast.